Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The meditation bowl from Nepal is chiming, and that means it is time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. How do you do? I am your host, Bart Jackson, and whether you are an expert speech and presentation coach out there in Plainsboro struggling to greet clients despite her own laryngitis, or whether you are a personal assistant in a suburb of Chicago who is paying her condo fees with this month's tax refund check, we're here to bring you sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Today's episode, we have entitled The Specter of Tax Remorse. Yes, it is the Ides of April, time to render unto Caesar what those powers who rule decide you should fork over to them. All those forms and checks must be in the mail by midnight tonight, April 15th. And on today's half hour, we are very fortunate to have the advice and tales of several of the nation's sharpest tax advisors, uh, along with several tax anecdotes, which I think you'll enjoy, including, and stay tuned for this, the greatest tax dodge ever endeavored in history. We bring the Stay tuned for that. But before we uh, harvest and tease apart all the transference of your gold into the government's coffers, let me take a few moments to supply you out there with a few utensils for our feast. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. That's the most important corporate body in your life. Will this be the day that you call that old friend and simply, personally, not electronically, say hello, or will you continue to put it off and begin to let friendship die of neglect? The choice is truly yours. Second, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from 101 Best Business Quips. Let me pull out the book. Oh, 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 here we go. Here we go. Number eight, perfect for the gloomy eyes of April. The only difference between piracy and taxation is the size of the army that collects it. (laughs) Now, uh, as an afterthought, it really isn't how much you pay uh, the powers that be for doing business in their backyard. It's the ROI, the return on investment. If those powers provide you with uh, an ease of shipping, a handy, well-educated workforce, nearby markets, a reasonable amount of bureaucracy, and ample protection, my friend, you are getting your money's worth. So don't complain too loudly. And the third utensil, perhaps we'll call it uh, this day's utensil, aptly the serving ladle, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email in the name of the author, that is the person you think said this, simply write info at bartsbooks.com, I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you are right... We will announce your name on the air. Uh, The author of last week's quote, uh, that is the individual who said, a government which robs Peter to pay Paul can always depend on the support of Paul. (laughs) 
<laughs> those timely words were penned over a century ago by the co-founder of the School of Economics and the Irish playwright. Yes, that was George Bernard Shaw. So there you go. Um, so let us now dig into today's feast and call the expertise of several top tax advisors. And uh, one bit of marvelous advice came to me uh, as we were selecting our guest. We had one of the nation's top tax experts who uh, we slated a long time ago, but he called in yesterday and said that a firm with whom he had been for whom he had been caring for some time, uh, was all of a sudden struck with some last-minute tax filing issues, and he was forced to dig in and, and save them. And, and we, you know, we accept that. We're not as naive as you might expect over here at the Art of the CEO Radio. We had a backup, and we called the fiscal sage with rare acumen, uh, Mr. Marty Shankman, who volunteered as understudy and was willing to step up. However, today, as it turned out, was Passover. Bart, Marty says to me, I'm terribly sorry any other day, but this is a holy day, and I have to put my family first. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a quill pen moment. Jot it down under priorities, if you would. Our hats off to Mr. Marty Shankman for putting his family and his creator first. Nothing is more important. Thank you for the lesson, Marty. Uh, and moving on, we have several other voices of tax experts who uh, have come forward and uh, going to help us all set the record straight. First, Mr. Guy McPhail, head of uh, GM Financial Group. Guy very bluntly explains to you why you do not need to cheat on your taxes. First, he points out that the U.S. tax code is 4 million words long. That, my friends, is more than all the Harry Potter books combined with none of their wizardry and charm, I might add. The first 2,000 pages, Mr. Mark McDonald told me this this morning. He, put the, he pointed this out. Mark is uh, head of Sage Financial Partners and a, a just marvelous fellow. The first 2,000 pages of the corporate tax uh, guide uh, are alone dedicated to the definition of net worth. Yes, boy, there's some nice bedtime reading. They need to, they need this to collect the 2.5 trillion dollars uh, in revenue taxes from the 235 million returns by about 53,000 actual examiners. Now that, my friends, brings the total to 4,433 tax forms per examiner. And by the way, that comes out to an average of $10,256 per return. Uh, I don't know about you. How are you doing? You, you paying your fair share? I'm not, I'll see how I'm doing. Um, my problem is I only get paid what I'm worth. That's what keeps me so poor. Anyway, the uh, the trick here then, what what they're saying is it's not to raise red flags. There are enough legal loopholes out there. It takes a little reading, but you can be both very legitimate and very legal. And if you want to lower your tax, the answer already lies in the legal book. Or you can hire somebody who reads it himself. I mean, you know, let's no sense of being cheap here. Um, so the trick, as I say, not to raise uh, red flags. And uh, it's, it's easier to make an honest buck, believe me. 
Uh, and so do you need proof that, uh, that the answers lie in the book? If you do, let me just uh, tell you that Mark uh, McDonald told, was telling me that 25% of Fortune 500 companies pay 10% or less in taxes. I know one CEO who shook his head as he noted to me personally that he paid 17% of his very substantial compensation while his secretary was in the 32% category. It just, uh, he said it may not be fair, but the answers are in there and you can do it. So uh, it's a book that's made for many things. And, and to move on with that, another comment is, is I'd like you all to sort of realize why is it so complex. This, is, this wasn't done just because somebody really wanted to make you suffer. Um, maybe, I don't know. But the tax code is really designed to do much more than glean revenue. One of the things it's designed to do is to promote business. So if you are in business, uh, take advantage by hiring Americans, having uh, plants in certain locales, building up and adding to your workforce, interviewing uh, people of uh, minorities and women. It's, there are, are many ways in which you can both increase the quality of your workforce and, and the quality of your business. And the tax form is there to help you. They want to see you succeed. More revenue for them, more people working. Uh, why not? Let's do it. The other thing, uh, the other thing, the tax code is designed to do is to uh, give is, is for charitable donations. Now, this is a fascinating thing. Why should the government, taking its money that it needs to build roads, etc., care about your charitable deductions? And that's because we are a compassionate culture. We really are. And the very these deductions are part of uh, our culture's organized compassion. And reflect on that when you wonder about this country and you say, oh my gosh, it's all going to hell and so forth. It's, think about that, that even at its most basic level, the government recognizes the need for this kind of charity. It, it says something about us. And finally, uh, the tax form will also uh, is designed to benefit those who contribute to the general well-being of society in several ways. Uh, Joe Rigby, who is the CEO and chair of Pepco Holdings, a major utility, uh, was telling me that the uh, his firm helped the Recovery Act from the very beginning, uh, eight, seven, six years ago, by donating power to many of the recovery projects. This, because he did that, he gave hundreds of millions, the company did, in time and power and uh, service. This lowered their tax bill substantially. And, and they were even accused of not paying enough taxes, but they had given this money in another way. So it, it does say there's lots of things that the government is trying to get you to do, and there are ways to take advantage of that. I pass that on to you. And for those of you who are CEOs, I would like you to just uh, 
to pass on to uh, the words of another wise man, Paul Dorf. Paul Dorf is the one of the nation's experts on compensation and on paying employees. And he says that if you are a senior executive or a CEO, look at the compensation package through the board and the tax man's eyes. Find out, for instance, how much of the operating, I'm sorry, how much of your salary or your compensation package is allowed as operating costs. There are various limits. In some cases, it's $1.2 million for all things adult. For some cases, it's a lot less. You, If you know that your board, if your company can pay you up to a certain level, uh, and then the rest of that you'll have to deal with options or, or other um, benefits, this is going to make a big difference when you go presenting it to the board. You'll show yourself as a person who's interested in the company first, and this is something that I think will make a, a big difference. Look at, your to link your compensation through the tax picture for the corporation. The other thing is, of course, is to, when you are asking for compensation, consider your benefits down the line. I think most people have become much more aware of that. But And we all think of, you know, retirement plans and so forth. But I also think that you want to add on to that an uh, exit strategy for wherever you plan to leave business and whatever pieces of your business you intend to own, what are you paying for in taxes at what stages. This does not mean that you have to hang on to work to get yourself in a better tax advantage. Actually, what it means is plan how you exit and and how you own various pieces of the company. Those are things that Paul has uh, mentioned several times and, and we should be pa- uh, passing on to you. Um, now, there is. We're going to be talking a little later about what you're getting out of the taxes, and I think that. Uh, so before we take a break, I'd just like you to look at what you are getting, and I'm going to give one small example here. Um, if you go into many of the areas of Africa that I have spent my time in, you will find that. The individual houses are compounds, and people have to supply uh, a compound, a gate, and basically they supply their own protection They uh, to make sure that people are not running in and taking everything out of the house and that, that their, their lands, their crop, their everything are protected. And thus the compound lifestyle, thus the extended family with people. We've stayed with several people who have relatives who stay up all night long and watch. If you were to pay for that on your own, imagine what it would cost. Look outside your front window when you get home and then imagine putting a gate around that. Imagine having somebody there 24-7, armed and trained and able to take care of things for you. Now, you know what salaries are. I don't need to tell you. Now, look at your property tax for that. Then look at your state tax. Um, think a bit. Think a bit. 
it does make things feel not quite so terrible. You are getting, to a certain extent, your money's worth. And, uh, of course, it goes for a lot of things that we aren't uh, enthralled with, but uh, one of the things that we do do in this country, we all have an excellent educational system. We have the smartest workforce going. Innovation comes from the United States, and that is by sheerest number. The number of patents, the number of inventions is triple the rest of the world combined. Let me say that again. The number of patents and new innovations is triple the rest of the world combined. There are only 300 million people in the United States. Why is that? Because we foster that sort of education and, and thought process. It's part of where the taxes go. Life isn't all bad. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the midpoint, so let's take a brief sorbet. Uh, it is time for me to introduce that company by whose good graces we're here today. That firm is Prometheus Publishing. They're the creator of Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides, and you may visit them at www.bartsbooks.com, B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and you can explore a wide wealth of business tools here, things that will take you and your enterprise forward, ways, simple techniques that have worked for others and that you can apply to your own life. Or perhaps you yourself are one of the CEOs that uh, has an authority, has something that you want to say. Again, visit bartsbooks.com and let us know. We have ways to help authors promote themselves and get the um, authority and recognition that they deserve. If you like any of the books, may I suggest this one, The Art of the CEO, which is the... uh, uh, the source from this of this radio show we're always trying to help leaders and that book uh started was launched and it created the overflow of this television show of, i'm sorry of this radio show because we want to keep current uh finally if you liked the business quip that you heard and uh, that's one of my favorites by the way if if you like that you can subscribe to weekly business quips that will come flinging your way through email, and you'll have a glorious time and a little chuckle and some good uh, after-hours ammunition to uh, pass on a joke or two to the folks. So uh, let us now ease our way back in to revel in the gold that we pay unto Caesar and to take you back to a slightly simpler but not entirely better age. Let's talk about where all this came from. The idea of a individual excise, personal excise tax started back about the time of the Civil War, but it really came into fruition uh, with an act in 1913, and the first tax form came in 1914 in this country. Now, that's very special because uh, the page, first of all, was one for, one page long. It was a one-page form. There was a 40-page instruction booklet. It taxed 1% of people, it taxed 1% of the income for people who made $500,000 or more a year. Now, that was a lot in 1914. It's a lot now. But with that, women were bamboozled again. That's why I mentioned uh, 1914. 
in women got didn't get the vote until 1918, which meant that every woman from 1914, 15, 16, 17 who had to pay, who earned over $500,000 a year was getting taxation without representation, the very thing that this country was founded to do away with. What can I tell you? It, uh, I, so we, we took a little count here, and I've looked up some first sources, and at the time in the country, I have been able to come up with six women uh, Two were in the Astor family, by the way, and at, who at that time were making, who personally were making more than uh, five hundred thousand a year. I'm sure there's more, but that I was able to come up with the six. Nonetheless, taxation without representation is something we can uh, live without. Now, I promise the best possible. Uh, I'm sorry, the biggest tax dodge ever, ever given, and. This is this is it. It began in night. Uh, it began several thousand years ago. Actually, it was about three thousand years ago, when the city of Troy, which stood on the Dardanelles, just where the Black Sea flows into the Mediterranean, they had a huge city there. And every time a boat came through, and it was a major shipping terminal. Every time a boat would come through, they would go out and they would take half of everything on the boat to let it pass. And you think, the, the sailors who came through and who risked their lives to make this terrible trip and come back to Greece and, and Italy were, were just, you know, horror-struck at having to just fork over this much. If they didn't, of course, the soldiers of Troy would sink the boat, and this made things not so so thrilling. So a fellow named Jason from the town of Eoklos, which is in, on the Greek uh, eastern shore, and now it's the town called Volos, said, we're going to get around this, literally, in every sense of the word. He decided that he could certainly take a river all the way up into Europe and come down. Well, he went up the Ister. He went up the Danube. He literally took his boat over uh, the foothills of the Alps, portaged it, came back down. This was Jason and the Argonauts. You've heard of Jason and the Golden Fleece and so forth. The Golden Fleece was uh, from the mines of gold. They would take uh, fleece from sheep and goats and put it in the water and it would become filled with flex and gold right off of some of the tributaries in the Black Sea. They did not want to, after all that hard work, pass this on to Troy. So they took a literally uh, 800-mile voyage, 400 miles up due north, portaged the boat over 400 miles back down to the Black Sea. And it was called, that was the voyage of Jason and the Argonauts. And yes, they did avoid the taxes of Troy. <sighs> Not so many made it back. What can I tell you? So uh, I defy anyone to come up with a better tax dodge than that. As we're as we're moving on, I did want to tell you that uh, a, a couple of tips that I think will uh, that, that others have passed on to us, and one of them is from Marty Shankman himself. Uh, a friend of mine who is a lawyer said, the government is turning us all into a nation of bookkeepers. And he had to get all this, this was, he just had to get all this stuff out to his, uh, 
tax accountant and was groaning and moaning about all of this. And Marty said that he has developed a very, very simple way. The, the thing that a lot of people forget is that the IRS will take as a voucher ledgers. And Marty keeps a strict calendar. And beside it, he uh, so he's going to meet um, Irving Schmidlap for lunch. So that's on the calendar. And he just comes back. When he comes back from lunch, he just jots down the amount spent, and he has a box that he puts it in. This way, it is literally in order, and on his tab, if it's a Visa card tab or whatever, he writes the date, the person, and the amount right up top. And that's that's the record. It's, it's now You can do whatever you want. Uh, I know some people, some very major corporate heads who use spindles. Yes, that's right, a great big nail that they both the papers on, so they're always in order. My, my point is here, friends, develop some system for keeping track of what you do. It will also help you to keep a general running record of just what in heaven's name you're doing with your, your workday life. What are you achieving? And I, I think it's uh, there are simple recording things. If you do it all the way through, yes, uh, you'll find it a heck of a lot easier. And you won't be complaining like my poor friend Warren that you're being turned into a nation of bookkeepers there. And there's one other thought before I leave, and that is about the amount of taxes we're paying. This is a very interesting thing. The United States pays, the, United, the American citizen pays less of a percentage of his income than almost any first world nation. And we get an immense amount for it. But it was, uh, I actually did the math on this. I was, I was challenged by one of my uh, very right-wing friends, who, who's actually a libertarian, who said, the job of the government is to defend my shores, deliver my mail, and leave me the heck alone. And I thought about the average person today. The average American today faces two major financial worries. Number one, how is he going to get his children through the higher educational system. How's, how's he going to pay that? The, the, the bills are just enormous. You know what it costs to go to a university. It, it's, it's shocking. and But it's something that you really, really do want for your children. Secondly, how are you going to take care of yourself as you get older, particularly the skyrocketing medical bills? How can you handle that? And it was, I've seen several cases for this that it has been drawn out, but depending on which study you listen to, if your, if your tax burden, if what you now pay in taxes, each of you out there, um, were to pay 140 to, I've heard, 150%, depending which study you believe, those two aspects would disappear. That is, those two big financial worries would disappear. Think about that. I just pass that on to you. I know the idea of paying one more penny in taxes seems heinous, but imagine what it would relieve in terms of your future personal debt. 
There are ways. There are other ways to look at things, and that's my point. Uh, you don't have to agree with the people who say raise it 140, but you certainly do have to look at a system which is not perfect, as you do in all of business. Make it a business decision like you do everything else. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out the show, I would like to leave you with today's business quotation. And that and this is a this is a one I really like. It says, "Just because you do not take an interest in politics does not mean that politics will not take an interest in you." And as uh, a hint as to who said that, this sage and king and democratic leader may now be seen only in marble. Think about that one for a moment. And remember, if you know the author of these quotes, just write down the name of the quote as best you remember it, add the author's name, and uh, if send it to info at bartsbooks.com. Don't forget to sign your own name. And uh, if, if you uh, get it right, we will read your name on the air. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, uh, the best accessory to your business wardrobe is a little after. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a privilege. I thank you, and good afternoon.